Hey y'all, so check it, check it, check it, check it out. I just came across a new clothing line that is amazing. It is Jupiter's Art. This is a clothing line for non-binary people, right? So the clothes are genderless and uh, they are also sustainable. Um, There's carbon offset and they don't add anything negative to the environment. And they're also um, an ethical company with fair pay for their employees. And they welcome uh, anyone in the spectrum of LGBT and race. It is owned by people of color and they deserve your attention. You can find Jupiter's Art on Instagram, on TikTok, and you can search for them on Google and find the website. It is amazing. Check it, check it, check it out. Wait till you see this jacket. Oh my God. It it is amazing. Y'all, you got to peep it. Jupiter's Art. Check it. Hey, y'all. You ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith? Well, I have. And her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's internet. I will have you know that 20-year-old Zinzi Smith has her own black woman-owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zin. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you're trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So give her a shout out. Let me know how it went. Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. How's everybody doing? This is Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you from my humble abode of books, 
where quarantine ain't cute and I'm ready to shelter outside. <laughs> you know, I thought about introducing myself this morning as the fluid fantasy. <laughs> I didn't know how that was going to come off. Uh, y'all, I'm so drained. <laughs> I'm so drained. Like, we had to get through a shelter-in-place Thanksgiving and then think about how broke we were all the way up until Christmas. Then we had a New Year's Eve that was not a New Year's Eve at all. And just when we thought, okay, things will settle down, you know, we can go on about our business, vaccines coming out. (sighs) Then we had to deal with vanilla ISIS. And I'm just like, (sighs) you know, you know, that segment in the cartoon where the person's at the railroad tracks and they look left and as far as the eye can see, there's no train. And then they look right and as far as the eye can see, there's no train. And then as soon as they step on the track with they tippy-toe, the train come and takes them out. <laughs> that, uh, I, You know, I just don't know when it's safe. I don't know when it's safe to feel secure, to feel like I'm, I'm back to just a regimen, you know. I'm back to complaining about the usual, you know. The light bill or the fact that so-and-so didn't call me today or, you know, just something. Remember when our problems were simple? (laughs) When it was about, you know, our kids forgetting their backpack for school, you know, or, you know, something's wrong with the fridge or, you know, a flat tire. Remember when those were like the problems? Oh. So many families had lost someone to COVID this last year. And we have, well, at least here in New Mexico, we have been sheltering in place since March, with the exception of about six weeks in October. From the end of September to the beginning of November, we had about six weeks of society opening back up again, and now here we are. It is mid-January, and... I don't feel like, as a collective, this country is any closer to resolving our issues. I mean, we've been, we've been struggling with the race issues since the 1600s. <laughs> the 1400s, if, uh, if you're indigenous. But what about me as an individual, right? I'm going to have my morning cigarette and coffee with y'all. As an individual, I still have to grow. I still have to take a look at my character defects and character assets and see what I want to work on. I still have to check to make sure my laundry's done, my dishes are done. Take a minute for myself to imagine what the world could be like. Maybe meditate, maybe pray. It's up to the individual. But to tell you the truth, y'all, I've I've been putting off this podcast for a week because I just feel like I need something profound or prolific to say, uh, share with you the solution, how I figured it out. I wish I had more to say than I don't know. 
that's really where I am. I think about it as, you know, when a kid asks a really tough question to a parent and the parent has a choice of, you know, giving them a solution that's not really real or lying to them altogether or simply saying, son, daughter, I don't know. I really don't know. And that's where I am. Most of the people in my life come to me for answers. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at helping people solve problems. I don't know where it comes from, but it is what it is. And for the first time in my life, I have laid back on my bed or sat here in my office chair and leaned back and said, what now? And nothing came to me. Nothing came to me except this. You and I have this moment. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all it is. A bunch of moments that we have. And myself as an individual, the part I play in the collective is how I treat people when I meet them. How I treat people when they call me with a problem. How I treat people when they mistreat me. It's almost as if I feel like the world, not even the world, this country has gotten so bad that I feel as if we've lost basic human decency. Now, why basic human decency has been thrown out the window, I could tell you, honestly, it has a lot to do with the as bell hooks would put it, capitalist, patriarchal, racist, <laughs> you know, um, heteronormative society we live in. Um, but I definitely think that we have lost our way. You know, even Rome had to fall. I think that money and trinkets like flat screen TVs and the new Nike sneaker and the flyest new phone and the flyest new car. I think we've been working so hard to have all these things that we've equated with joy that we've let go of what it really meant to experience true happiness. I think we lost it. I mean, I remember in my lifetime, having no money and still being happy. I feel like we got duped. We got duped and we allowed ourselves to be duped. You know, as, as a recovering addict, I can honestly say that what I thought was bringing me joy was actually killing me. And I look at a lot of these people that were supporting Trump and what they believed was going to bring them joy has now brought them utter misery. Whether they realize it or not, they're, they're angry at the world, they're depressed, they're, they're feeling hopeless. 
they don't even realize that they've been exploited. And there's a part of me that, believe it or not, holds a space of compassion for them. I mean, I look at where most of these people are from. Yeah, there's some Trump supporters in San Francisco, in New York City, Miami. But the truth is that the epicenter of the Trump supporting team is in the Midwest. In your Indianas and Missouris, Kentuckys, you know, Tennessee in the South, Louisiana, a lot of places where white poverty runs rampant. Michigan, Pennsylvania. And I've noticed they needed somebody to blame. Somebody in the flesh in the present day. And and the truth is that a lot of these places where the unions are gone, where the factories have gone overseas, they don't know where the next meal is coming from. You're talking about a place where, you know, they live this traditional life where, you know, the man went out and worked, the woman stayed home with the kids. They can't have it anymore. You know, both parents are working, the kids are unsupervised. Everything's expensive. You add race to that and the changing times and fast technology and, you know, kids rediscovering themselves as different genders and kids coming out. You know, like when I was a teenager, if you were queer, you you didn't come out of the closet. You know, you didn't reveal yourself until you were old enough to go to a gay bar or be a part of that community. Now, you know, it, things have changed. And I'm, I'm not going to say whether it's good or bad. My personal belief is that it's good. But just for the sake of this discussion, it's just a lot of change. It's almost as if after the ransacking of the Capitol building, it was our last get high. You know, I think that this is like the country has to detox from Trump. And detoxing is never easy. You know, you, the one thing that was bringing you joy, people are trying to tell you that it's been doing nothing but causing misery. And you don't want to believe it because, well, it was the only thing you had to hold on to. And that's frightening. I look at it as being in a toxic romantic involvement, you know. And you can't seem to let go, even though you know that that it's hurting you, you know. And this is going to be a process. I don't know how to welcome Trump supporters back into society. I, I don't know whether or not they want to be welcomed. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, in a perfect world, all Trump supporters would make a video saying, I lost my damn mind. I don't know what I was thinking. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Take me back, please. Please, baby, please. But that's not enough right now for so many people who are hurting. You know, race in itself in this country has been an issue that's been going on for a long time. And I usually find myself giggling, on the inside at least, when someone says, I can't believe this happened. This is just so shocking. This isn't who we are. And there's been a lot of talk about that. You know, and if you're black, you know, you look at this person, because it's usually not a black person that says it. I haven't heard a black person say it yet. But... You know, black people are looking at white people like, are you kidding me? And it's because the fights that the black people have been struggling with and people of color have been struggling with, that wasn't on a white person's lawn, you know? It wasn't on their property line. And it also helps me to reflect in, in a from a position of class, right? that now the senators and now the representatives want to impeach Trump and get him out of office as soon as possible. And, you know, we as a whole out in the country are like, now, really? You're shocked now? Now you want to remove him? You know, we've been going through X, Y, and Z all this time. And it wasn't until the senators' lives and the representatives' lives were at stake that now they're ready to, to let him go, you know? But God bless Fox News, they're still holding on. <laughs> There's always that one enabler for the addict, you know. I just want to feel safe when I leave my house. And I think the collective mentality of Trump supporters causes me a lot of dismay causes me a lot of fear and insecurity. When there's a Trump protest, I'm actually literally worried. No cap. I am nervous. There's this great I am that, that fills a, a crowd of Trump supporters. This entitlement that, you know, the tantrums they throw are, as you can see, violent. And that's just not what I want in the world. I don't know anybody that does want it. I knew this had affected me a lot more than I was willing to admit when I considered getting a gun. I literally considered getting a gun and going to a shooting range. And to tell you the truth, the jury is still not out on that. God, I miss when I just woke up in the morning, grateful to be alive and looking forward to talking to friends, to creating, to writing poetry, listening to music and thinking only of my day. And I feel like that's been taken from me. Or maybe it's what I lost when I thought everything was okay and it really wasn't. And it's forced me to reflect on the question whether or not I've done enough this last four years. And the answer is a resounding no. 
And that's my accountability. That's something I have to look at. And I think that this raid of the Capitol building has forced me to beg the question, what now? What needs to change? How can I, how can I improve the experience in this country? Because I'll tell you, there's a, there's a part of me that just wants to save my money and move to Africa. I, I kid you not. It sounds like a joke, but I am, I am serious. I'm scared to live in my own country. I don't like that I'm scared to live in my own country. You know, being gender fluid, the thought of me wearing one of my long skirts or my eyeshadow and stumbling upon a Trump rally frightens me. Or just knowing that these Trump supporters live in my neighborhood. I mean, the audacity that it took for hundreds of men to feel entitled enough to run into the Capitol building with pipe bombs, zip ties, guns. These same people had to go home. And sure, some of them have been named, but a lot of them haven't. And I don't like that that fear has been controlling my every thought, which is why I've been postponing this podcast. I didn't want to offer y'all a podcast of me just sharing my overwhelming anxiety. I wanted to be able to get on here and tell you that everything is going to be okay and this is why. But I know better. And I don't know what it's going to take for me as an individual to feel like I'm still home. I feel like a little kid who came home from school and all the furniture got changed or moved or is missing. You know, I feel like I've walked into my house and my mom is like, we're moving. (laughs) And there's like no furniture, no TV, you know, and you feel, you feel gutted. You feel like you've been an extension to everything in the house. That's what I feel like. I feel like... the last scoop of hope I had was gutted. Even as a poor kid growing up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, I didn't have the questions that kids today have. Like, what's going to happen? Why did they do that? You know, the news wasn't what it is now. And it's like we... Every other day, we're, we're having these historical watershed moments in the country. We have, as a collective, as, you know, a country as a whole, we have lost our damn minds. And I know that, you know, far down the road, the, the solution is to move towards love. And how do you move towards love? When there's all this fear, hope, 
Hope is all I have to get me through a day. When I hear about this news and my head starts shaking and I'm rubbing my forehead and just taking these deep sighs, all I got is hope. I think about people who were struggling during the civil rights movement. When their day-to-day existence was like dealing with Trump supporters on steroids. When the Freedom Riders were being assaulted to bloody pulps and, and the buses were being set on fire and, you know, they tried to integrate the schools and they had to call in the National Guard just to walk a black girl into her class. I think about the police brutality then. I think about the lynchings, the assassination of Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, King. And all of that rage that came from one disappointment after another evolved into the Black Panther Party. But even then, the epicenter of the Black Panther Party was love. Free breakfast program for the kids. You know, free medical care. And it forces me to look at what now for the country. And honestly, the one answer that comes to mind is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I see her as the hope. I see her as the solution. I see her... And her movement and her way of thinking, her humility, her honesty, her her direct, blunt responses. We need change. What we have been doing is no longer working. This middle ground, you know, oscillating between, you know, conservative politics and centrist Democrats and We have to move further and further towards love. And what does that mean? Making sure that every hungry family has food. Making sure that every sick person sees a doctor. Making sure that every kid that wants to learn has the opportunity. And, uh, you know, there's... You'll find somebody somewhere who says, well, that's that's been America. And, And, you know, yeah, okay, whatever. But I do remember in my lifetime going to see a doctor whenever I was sick. And then you just got billed. And then you paid the bill, $10, $5, $20, whatever. You know, you made payments on it, but your doctor never turned you away. You know, and then sometime in the late 80s, 90s, all of a sudden, you know, you had to have insurance. And then, you know, jobs could pay you less because they offered you benefits and You had to negotiate for your health. You had to negotiate for your very, very physical, actual life. It became part of the negotiations. And, you know, this was... When I I speak in schools and uh, we're discussing um, apathy, I do this little... Uh, explanation, this little lecture about apathy. And it's like having a deck of cards. You take the top card off and you make a second pile. Now you look at the original pile, it doesn't look any different. It's only missing one card. You can't see the difference between, you know, 52 and 51 cards. 
And then as I'm talking to them, I'm slowly taking off another card. Does it look any different? No. The class is like, no, it doesn't look any different. Okay, yeah. So then you take off another card. And you take off another card and take off another card. And as you're looking at it, it doesn't look like it's getting any smaller. But the next thing you know, this other pile is getting taller. And all of a sudden, things look different. But you don't remember how it looked in the first place because it happened so slow. That's what's happened to my faith. That's what's happened to my security. It's what's happened to my confidence. Slowly, over a period of time, the pile that was my belief in a world that's going to get better began to dwindle. Then I found myself laughing at people dying in videos. I found myself no longer sad, just I'd like to say annoyed, but the truth was it hurt so much that I wouldn't allow myself to feel it. So it came off as being annoyed. Another black man shot by police. You know, another domestic violence case. Another runaway. Another overdose. And it's almost as if in order to save my soul, I I had to harden on the outside. And I don't want to die this way. I don't want to walk around on the defense because something bad might happen in the next minute. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to hope. I think, I think we all deserve that because nothing gets better if we don't believe it can. And it doesn't dismiss the struggle that we're going through, it doesn't dismiss the, the rage in the streets and the, you know, the frustration we're seeing online and <clears throat> the anger in the news. But if we don't have hope, if we don't come together and believe that things can improve, we will stay here. And things will get worse. You know, when I was using and I had an opportunity to go to detox, if I went to detox and steady convinced myself that this was not going to work, I would have never got clean. And it it wasn't until other addicts or alcoholics said to me, I used to be just like you and I'm I'm over here now. And it's moments like that that make me look at other countries. And I try to find other countries that are better. And honestly, the one place that comes to mind is Germany. Now, Germany was a place where racism took over. Anti-sentiment was running rampant. And Germany looks at us now like, Dude, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) You know, even though during the Hitler administration, they took notes from the U.S. And I think that one of the aspects where we can get better, just like when I got clean, I could not stay clean until I was honest about my using. I think this country is not going to get any better until we're honest about how bad it was.
until we're honest about the racist, sexist society we lived in, the toxic masculinity. We have got to be honest. I think we're telling our kids the truth more now than ever before, which I think is a great thing. I think that technology, though extremely expensive and fast-paced, has enabled us to connect with more people. And I think that's a good thing. Even this podcast, I love having an opportunity to share my heart with other people. This is a blessing to me. I get to help somebody love themselves, which is where we all should be. I hope what I'm saying has made sense because to tell you the truth, I'm not sure. I know that I want to do my part to make this a better country. I know that I want to do my part to make my small community safe for everyone. I think about how the shift happened. And you know, the one thing that comes to mind is 9-11. When September 11th happened, I think tragedy taught us a lot about power. You know, when all of that ash from two demolished skyscrapers covered people, we were one race at that very moment. When in the rubble, they found the bodies of Muslims, Christians, from Baptist to Catholic to Protestant, Hindu, Sikh, all buried under the rubble. What did it matter? It was another life gone. And I think as a collective, we need to find ourselves again. I think that for those of us who don't adhere to a a racist ideology, for those of us who aren't homophobic, we need to find each other and spread that hope. It's a long road. And I, you know, sometimes I feel so foolish saying that. But what else do I have? Without hope, I got nothing. I got nothing. If I convince myself this world isn't getting any better, there's no point in living. I have to hold my loved ones tight. And every time I see a child, I have to hope for them. I have to promise them I'm doing all I can to make sure their lives are happier. I got to find it. I got to hold on to it. And I got to share it with others. Love yourself. No matter what you're going through, know that you have a divine right to be here and you are worthy of love, of forgiveness, of joy. Find it, hold on to it, and share it. Have a good day. Hey, y'all, your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you 
love this podcast. I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care.